The reading from today is from Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 8, to chapter 3, verse 5. Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke to me and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth, and the season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. He, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face, let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. She, my beloved is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him but did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city. Through its streets and squares, I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him but did not find him. The watchmen found me and they made the rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or waken love until it so desires. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, yeah, also welcome from me to our online service. And uh, yeah, we're in the Song of Songs, uh, interesting book. Don't know how many children will be watching, but... Uh, yeah, I'm sure it has some really good things to teach us, but why don't we pray for that before we start. Our Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it tells us so much about you, about how to live, what life is like. And we just pray that you would speak through these strange words to our hearts today and then make us see Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know how you spent your Christmas holiday. Uh, no, next one. Yeah, our, your Christmas holiday. Um, we've had some time off. There's always all kinds of things that we do. Maybe you've been playing board games. Uh, we have some new version of Ticket to Ride. Uh, maybe, you know, know, be building a Lego set with your kids or just go out hiking. There's all kinds of things we've done. Now, with all of that, my guess is you didn't do it blindly, right? You don't just, uh, okay, here's a new game and you open the box and, oh, here's some cards and you just give everyone some cards and you roll the dice and start playing. Right? What do you do? You read the instructions. Um, Lego, I don't think you'll just start building straight away. Uh, you follow the instructions, or at least, okay, this is the thing I want to build, and you try and emulate that. That's what we do, right? Uh, hiking, you find out, is there actually a trail here? And that's how we hike. Well, why do we do all that? Well, that is how you enjoy these things, right? If we know how they work, if we know how the game works, how the... Lego set is supposed to be built, how the hike works. You don't do it blindly. Well, that's just a little illustration of real life, right? 
how can we live in this world? What is the best way to live? Well, we need instructions. We need our maker to tell us, oh God, of course, he, he made life, he made us. He knows how the world works, and so we follow his instructions. We follow his design. I think that's one way of seeing the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs, this strange book, it's wisdom literature, right? It's in the same group of books, like something like Proverbs. And Proverbs, it has a lot of advice about real life, right? It tells you, you know, to work hard and to, <laughs> to save money and to watch out with your words and, and all those kind of things. That's very helpful. Um, why do I start this way? Well, because people often struggle with how to read the Song of Songs. Now, we talked about it last week, but a lot of you, especially the youth, you weren't there. Uh, the Song of Songs, if you've read it, it's a rather weird book, right? It's all these love songs, all these poems about love and, and relationships with lots of kissing and embracing, uh, lots of poetry, lots of images from nature and garden and a vineyard and animals and flowers, but it seems... Well, yeah, love songs. And people struggle. What is this doing in the Bible, right? If this really is a book with love songs about, you know, a man and a woman uh, in love, what is it doing here? So some people, they, okay, this is about love, and, but we're going to ignore it because this doesn't seem to have any place in God's holy word. Other people, well, it must mean something else. Maybe it's not about a man and a woman. This is all a picture about, you know, God and Israel, about Jesus and the church. But I think if we understand that this is wisdom literature, you can have both, right? Proverbs, it's in the Bible, right? It's God's words, and yet it's practical about life now. What's wrong with a book that tells us a lot about, you know, love and marriage and those kind of things? Because that's actually a big part of life. At the same time, you know, the wisdom literature always points beyond itself. When we studied Proverbs, well, it was also online one and a half years ago. Okay, there's a lot of practical advice. And yet when you read Proverbs, it points you to a wiser king than Solomon, someone greater who can not just give you a, a pretty nice life, who can give you true, abundant life. And I think we're going to see that with the Song of Songs as well. Yes, various things we can learn about love and relationships, and yet, uh, it points us to a greater lover, a greater relationship. Because, as we heard last week again, uh, love and marriage are a huge thing that points to God, to Jesus in the Bible. And not just in the New Testament, right? The church is the bride of Christ. Also in the Old Testament. I mean, here is God speaking in the prophets. Uh, in Isaiah, your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. Uh, in Hosea, he speaks to... Israel, as, as his wife, I, I'll, be, I'll betroth you to me forever after she's gone away. I'll betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. Uh, Israel was God's wife. Not a very good wife, but, right? So, yeah, love and marriage, sex, all those things, but it points to Christ. So that's where we're going to go. Um, and today, especially, we're going to see something of God's pattern. What is the, the, the pattern? What's the design for love and those kind of things? Because, uh, as you know, if we want to live God's way, we need to look at the design. So that's where we're going to go. And what is it telling us in this strange passage, this unusual passage? Now, the first section, uh, half of uh, chapter 2, it's this beautiful... Wow, it's from the perspective of the woman, but this is every woman's dream, right? Uh, her beloved is coming. 
And uh, verse 8, listen, my beloved. Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains uh, like a gazelle. She sees her beloved coming. Well, like a gazelle, he is uh, jumping over the mountains, full of energy, full of life. And he he comes to her house, her parents' house, and he's looking through the window, trying to see her. And and he invites her, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me, come out. Uh, Why? Well, uh, it's spring. Verse 11. See, the winter is past, Uh, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. It's spring, it's a beautiful season, so come out, show yourself, come and be with me. Now, that sounds wonderful, right? Beautiful, romantic. But I think there's more going on. Uh, I think this is a, he's not just coming to have a date, to spend some time together. I think this is supposed to be a proposal. He's asking her to to marry him, which tells us actually that, you know, uh, marriage is the goal. Marriage is the goal. These are two people who are getting married. Now, why do I say that? Of course, it's poetry. It's it's a bit vague, but think about these things. First of all, uh, it's spring, right? It's a new season. Presumably, if these people were in love, they would see each other quite often, and not just kind of, okay, it's been winter, you know, haven't seen each other for months, and now it's spring, come out. It's a new season, a new, uh, yeah, a big new time, not just a new day. Um, She is living with her parents. Where is she? She is in her parents' house, and he's asking her to come out. And, and, you know, that's, that's in marriage, right? You leave your father and mother, and you join someone else. That's that's what marriage is. Um, and she's, at the moment, she's just inaccessible. Not just uh, because she's in the house, you know. Beloved, you're like a, uh, verse 6, verse 14. My dove is in the clefts of the rock. She's kind of out there in the rock and he can't reach her. You know, she's just not, she's not accessible until she comes to him. And of course, how does she respond in verse 16? Well, my beloved is mine and I am his. Uh, they, that's the covenant language, the kind of exclusive uh, relationship. That's, that's the result. So it, it seems to be a, a, a proposal. That's what most commentators think. So, yeah, they're getting married. Uh, I think that's important to see. Right? The Song of Songs is about marriage. Some people complained about that last week. You know, all these love songs about kissing and everything. It seems to be just casual romance. No, no. Song of Songs is about marriage. And then in the next passage, end of chapter 3, is the wedding. And in chapter 4, the guy constantly calls her my bride. Clearly they're getting married. And that's the the point. So the Song of Songs, I think, is clear. The goal is marriage. And even without the Song of Songs, we would know that because the rest of the Bible makes that very clear, right? The only real place for a romantic relationship is is marriage, the, the lifelong permanent union of one man and one woman. And what you do in the Bible, well, you interpret the unclear things by means of the clear things, right? If the rest of the Bible says it's only in marriage, that's what the Song of Songs should be as well. But, you know, marriage, that is the goal. The goal of this relationship, this love, well, it should lead to marriage. And I think for most of us that's obvious, right? We, I don't know, maybe you've grown up in church and everyone you know is, is married, Right, who is over a certain age, maybe marriage is the, the norm. And yet we live in a world where that's not the norm, right? 
Um, I'm from Holland and I look at my, my old life. I look at uh, all my friends from university. Most of them are not married. Why would you marry? It's just optional. It's just about the, the romance and the, the, the relationship and, and marriage doesn't matter. All the movies we see, it's just people falling in love and why get married? No, no, the Bible says marriage, that's the goal. And the point of a relationship of dating is to lead to marriage. There's no kind of dating just for its, its own sake. If it's not going to lead to marriage, there's no point. Marriage. Um, actually, this is even, the culture is even worse. The culture often has a kind of bad view of marriage. Right? Marriage is, is boring. Marriage is the kind of, well, the rest of your life with just one person. That is, that's boring. Marriage is about chores and arguments and uh, yeah, being stuck the rest of your life. Many, you know, many things you watch on TV give that message. Well, that's not the Bible's message, right? Uh, marriage here, well, interestingly, marriage is springtime. Marriage is when everything comes alive. Marriage is, is fruitful and, and living. Very different, right? Marriage is not this kind of barren state you go into when the romance dies. No, marriage is, is, is productive. And you know, that, that's the Bible's picture. Marriage, marriage is a great thing. Partly because, well, marriage is, is outward looking. Marriage is not uh, just an inside uh, thing. <laughs> I think winter and spring. Many of us have a kind of a winter view of marriage. And winter is just two people keeping warm in a house, right? Just the two of us. That's not the picture of marriage here. Marriage is spring. Marriage is outward looking. Marriage produces something. It produces a, fam a family. It produces good in society. It serves God. Uh, that's, that is marriage. Marriage is not kind of something dreadful at the end. Marriage is the wedding is the start of something beautiful that serves God, that grows. Marriage is the goal. I hope that makes sense. Right? Marriage is the goal. But then there's this other part of kind of God's pattern that we see very clearly here that I think also needs pointing out in this book full of kissing and embracing and so on and that is I think that uh, well intimacy is for later intimacy is is for marriage sexual intimacy huh? the special way of husband and wife to be together well that is for later for marriage how do we see that well we see it very clearly in that refrain right uh, we saw it in 2 verse 7, uh, 3 verse 5. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And it, it is physical love, well, don't arouse it, don't awaken it. Uh, it is for later. And it's such a solemn charge, right? It sounds very weird, by the gazelles and the does of the field. Maybe you wonder about that. Actually, that's a kind of a Hebrew wordplay. It sounds a lot like the Lord of hosts, God Almighty. So she's saying, I, I swear to you by, by God Almighty, don't arouse this until. And so I think that's, that's very clear, not before the time, but we see it in other ways as well. And so after, you know, after this proposal, uh, verse 17, what does uh, she say? Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle. Uh, until tomorrow morning, well, be like a gazelle. Now, why like a gazelle? Well, that's how he just came, right, in, in, in verse 9. He kind of, he came to her as a gazelle, and now she says, well, go turn around and, and be a gazelle. 
go away. Why should she go away? Well, until tomorrow, uh, because we're not married yet and we shouldn't spend the night together, so go away. Right? It's very clear uh, boundaries there. And we also see it in the, this rather weird passage at the start of chapter 3. Right? It, again, Song of Songs can be very weird. What is she doing? Uh, all night long on my bed. I, I looked for, the, verse 1, I looked for the one my heart loves. I, I looked for him but didn't find him. And she is kind of in bed longing. And then what does she do? Well, she goes out. She, she gets up and she goes out and walks through the city looking for her beloved and meets some guards. And then after passing the guard, she finds him. And then she, she holds him and holds him tightly, very, very physical. And then uh, let's go home to my parents' bedroom. Now, is this real? I doubt, no one thinks this is real. I mean, young women wouldn't, this is not Hong Kong. Young women wouldn't just go out and, and walk outside at night. They wouldn't do that. And, you know, what, what are you going to do with the parents? You know, waking them up while they're sleeping. Hey, this is my beloved now, most people think this is it's, it's like a dream. It's, it's in her mind. It's a kind of daydreaming. Uh, why is she... She's really thinking about this. But what is she thinking about? I think she is, she's preparing for intimacy. She knows, okay, I'm going to get married, and now this is all going through her mind. Yeah, that's why there, there's this longing and this struggle and this resolve that ends in the bedroom. That is what, what's happening. I think that's how the guards fit in as well. Uh, the watchman or guards, same word. Um, why, is he, why is she meeting them? Well, because she needs to kind of overcome something that, that she's been on her guard against her whole life. And when she passes the guards, then she finds him. Because this is something that was off limits so far, right? So far, all her youth, it's been off limits. And now... I'm going to get married. Okay, I need to prepare for this. I need to mentally switch. And then, you know, chapters 4 and 5, that's, that's the place for intimacy after the wedding. I, I think that that's what's happening here. And so, something that was always off limits. And so, clearly, this reinforces what we've seen, right? Where does intimacy belong? Well, it's guarded. It's, it's off limits until the wedding. Again, very different from the culture. Right? You, you watch so many movies and, you know, two people fall in love and, you know, they go straight uh, to this kind of thing. Uh, so, or very quickly, right? It's just very casual in relationships, just two people having fun. No, that's not the Bible. The Bible is very different. It says, no, this is for later. Don't arouse or awaken it. I, I don't know. I, I thought of Harry Potter, right, the, the Hogwarts uh, motto, Draco Dormiens Nunquam Titilandus, don't tickle a sleeping dragon, right? don't wake up uh, something, don't wake up this up, this is dangerous, right? Don't arouse or awaken love, it's, yeah. That's, indulging now is dangerous, be on your guard. Now, we need to think a little bit about why. I mean, it, it's not that intimacy is, is bad, that it's sin, so don't do it. I, mean, I think that's, that, that's what we often feels like, right? This is bad, but the culture thinks it's good. And that's where the conflict is. And if it's such a great thing, why is it bad? Now, if you've, that's not true, but I think some, many Christians struggle with that. That's why the mental switch is, is so hard sometimes, right? You get married, and there, there's this thing that's been bad, that, that's been wrong your whole life, and now suddenly I'm supposed to enjoy it. 
that's weird. We, we didn't, there's no other sin like that, right? It's not like murder. Murder is wrong until a certain point, and then now murder is great, and you're supposed to enjoy it. No, uh, stealing. But with intimacy, uh, yes. Until you're married, no. And then once you're married, yes. That's, that's a strange switch that she's kind of preparing for. Um, I, I know, you know, if you're engaged and you're thinking about marriage, this is something you'll need to deal with. You, you need to both make that switch. And, and actually, you'll need to be very sensitive and understanding about this because it's, it's not easy. Uh, married couples, I know, I know married couples who still struggle with this. And then there's not much, been not much intimacy for years because it, it just still feels wrong and, and dirty. And it shouldn't. Because, and, and, and so, yeah, please, if that's you, seek some help. This is important. Come and, come and talk to someone you trust. But the thing is, it, it's not bad and good. Now, the thing is, the culture thinks this is just harmless, casual stuff. The Bible thinks this, this is huge. This is special. This, this is precious. Right? This is something you only share with one person in your life. And that's why you want to, to save it until that special time. You don't want to spoil it beforehand. That's the idea. I, I think that's why the guards help. I mean, where do you see guards? Yeah, you see guards in a, in a prison, right? To keep something bad in. Actually, think of guards outside a, a palace. The guards are there to protect something that's really special and precious. Uh, the queen, the crown jewels, those kind of things, right? That's what guards are for. Intimacy is not a sin in itself. It only depends on who and when. And so, therefore, with your spouse, in marriage, great. And outside of it, no. That's, that's the thing. Why is it so huge? Well, we saw that in 1 Corinthians before Christmas. Because this very closeness, it creates a bond. It unites two people together. That's why it's so important in marriage, because it, it keeps husband and wife together. It's like superglue. But the thing about superglue is you only want to glue things together that need to be glued together. If you glue other things and then you have to break it again, you get damage. I don't know if you saw that on the news. I think it was last year. There was this poor woman who uh, she, uh, she had to uh, would use hair wax and she couldn't find hair wax so she thought let me use some gorilla glue in my hair and that will keep it in shape and that was a that was terrible and she had to have surgery to take things off and it does great damage right don't use glue where it shouldn't be used uh, that's why they, this is just such a big sin it, it's 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 so powerful it's such a big thing that yeah using it in the wrong way does the bible would say that damaging and, of course, if it's glue, it's a very hard sin to, to break, right? Because it, it bonds you together. So once you've started, it's very hard to stop. That's why I think that it says, do not arouse or awaken love. Don't even start. Yeah, if you don't start, great. Because once you start, it's hard to stop. Once you move to a certain point, it's very hard to go back. I think that's the thing here. And so if you're dating or engaged, keep your distance as much as possible. That's, I think, the application, right? Because once it's awake, it won't go back to sleep. Don't ask, okay, well, what is the most I can do? 
I mean, remember the, the, the sleeping dragon, right? You don't want to, okay, what, what's the most noise I can mo make? What's the most tickling I can do so that the dragon just doesn't awake? No, you, you are as quiet as possible, right? That's the thing. Don't arouse or awaken. Same, actually, with, with other sexual sins. Don't arouse or awaken. Fantasizing is not good. Visual stimulation, anything you watch that you think is exciting, don't. You need, you need to starve it. Don't arouse it because it's damaging. Okay, if that makes sense? Right, that's uh, what we should do. Now, yeah, intimacy is, is for later. It's for in marriage with your spouse and, and not when you're married, not outside it, before marriage. No, that is the pattern. That's the, that's the design and, and that's a good thing. Although, again, when I say that, I'm aware that, you know, I'm aware of my sins and failures, and many of us will be aware of that. Look, we are Christians, and that means we, you know, Jesus has washed us clean, right? He went to the cross, he came, he was born, he lived, he died, he rose for us, and we can be washed clean. That doesn't mean that some of the damage in this life isn't still there, but in terms of our relationship with God, we... we we can be clean and because Jesus has taken all our sins away. So if you feel guilty, come again to the cross. That's what Jesus would want. But I hope that makes sense. And yet when I say all this, you know, we see this wonderful romance and it leads to marriage and, and all kinds of more things. I think there's a range of responses from you. My guess is there are singles here who will feel frustrated. Oh, you, you know, I'm talking about something very special, but actually you struggle to find the right person. And, you know, it's been really long, really hard. I'm not sure if you'll ever find someone. Then again, there will be plenty of frustrated married people here. Right? People who, actually, my marriage isn't this beautiful dream. My marriage isn't kind of the romance that this, I see here in this book. Yeah? Maybe have I married the wrong person? The Song of Songs, it, it feels so unrealistic. Now, the Song of Songs, is, is, it isn't fully unrealistic. Uh, it's aware that, that not everything's perfect. I mean, verse 15 is a verse that many people find interesting, right? Uh, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. I didn't know this, but foxes, they don't just eat meat, they also eat plants and they love grapes. And so, uh, you know, when the vineyard is in bloom, uh, foxes... <laughs> they tend to spoil it. Uh, but in context, it's very clear what it means, right? Get rid of the things that spoil your marriage. Uh, as they are uh, getting ready to get married, uh, catch, the, catch the foxes. Uh, the, the habits uh, that are selfish and, and spoil a marriage, the, the sins, the, uh, the problems in communication, work those things out, maybe something like that. Um, in interestingly, this is a community command. You don't, can't see it in English, but... Catch is, a, is for you guys, it's for a group. So this is either the couple inviting their friends, help us, or friends suggesting to the couple, you guys need to do this. Which means hopefully we can help each other with our marriages, right? That's why we do marriage preparation and marriage days and those kind of things. But even then, it sounds so easy, right? Just catch the foxes and you'll have this paradise marriage. Well, the Song of Songs is really too beautiful. To be honest... You read this, and it's supposed to remind you of something, right? A garden with all the flowers and the trees and the birds are singing. It's the Garden of Eden. You know, that is what 
you know, marriage is supposed to be like, like paradise, like the Garden of Eden. But we no longer live there. Right? Ever since Adam and Eve, well, we're no longer in the Garden of Eden. We've been kicked out. And now we live in a world that's broken, that's cursed. And so relationships and marriage and intimacy aren't what they should be. And even if you follow God's design perfectly, right? you, you get married and you save everything until then, it doesn't mean it will be perfect. It's like making a, making a, you know, a Lego set and some of the pieces are out of shape and others are missing and others are damaged. And it, you just can't build what you're supposed to build. No, you see the Song of Songs and yeah, it's great if it was true. And that's when we need to think, no, this is not going to fully make us happy. You know, the, the most wonderful romantic partner isn't the one who will bring you perfect happiness. That's what we often look for. That's why, you know, the merits and the singles are both frustrated here. No. Uh, the only perfect husband who can bring you to the Garden of Eden, who is that? Well, it's Jesus, of course, right? And, and as we see this passage and look at God's pattern, well, the, the true pattern is, is that Christ is the real thing. Christ is the, the perfect lover offering the perfect relationship. That's why this song is ultimately about him, right? He made us. He made us for himself. He knows what we need, and, and we need him. And so when you read this, yeah, you, you can see the truth really in him. You know, you, you see this beloved coming for his bride, leaping over the mountains to be with her. And you think, wow, that, that, that's Jesus, right? Jesus who, he came down from heaven and he overcame sin and Satan and death to be with us, to... Uh, so we could be with him. Uh, the way he proposes to us, right? Arise, come, come and be with me forever. Come and, and have this spring. No more barrenness, no more thorns, no more just, just beauty and abundant life with me. Come to me. Right? That, that, that's the thing here. Uh, union with Jesus. In, in the Bible, it, it leads to fruit. It leads to life as it's meant to be. <coughs> life that makes a difference in the world. And yet that's sustained at heart by, by this relationship, right? Where Christ loves the church and, and, and where he loves us and, and we love him, right? You know, can you hear the call? Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. That's how Jesus sees you. Despite your sin, he knows what you will be like when he's finished with you. And he loves you. And, you know, he wants to spend time with us. Maybe you don't feel like praying or a quiet time. Well, we hear Jesus calling, Right? Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. He, he loves to hear from you. He loves to, you to be with him. And that is the amazing truth, ultimately. When marriage and, and, and those kind of things are, aren't what we want it to be. Now, the truth, the real thing is Jesus, is Christ. And, yeah, he desires us, which makes us wonder, well, do we desire him? How is our love for him? Because you can imagine, if we loved him like this, then life would be easier, right? You'd be a lot more okay with being single if you had such a wonderful relationship with Jesus. Uh, you wouldn't mind your spouse's bad habits as much if you had a wonderful relationship with Jesus. You wouldn't mind waiting until you're married with intimacy because, you know, you've got Jesus and, and you're happy and satisfied. That's the thing, right? If we really had this relationship with Jesus we wouldn't love other things so much. 
That's the thing, right? We often, we, 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 we want something to satisfy us. We want something to fulfill us. But Jesus is too far away. And he's great, but it takes so much work to see that. And so there's all these things around us, and they promise to give us what we want. Sin always promises pleasure. It always says, oh, yeah, just, just sin, and, and you'll be happy. And we just don't have the energy. We don't have the desire for Jesus enough. And so we give in. I can see that in my own life. Now, I think this passage says, look, the best way to live is, is if we're just fully in love with Jesus. And so verse 5, well, don't arouse or awaken. Well, we need to put, turn it around, right? Arouse your love for Jesus. Awaken your love for Jesus. The more you love him, the more we can live. Yeah, so how do you awaken love? Well, well, personal devotions, quiet time. It's a common application, but that is what we need, right? We need to, in the morning, awaken our love for Jesus. And, and when you read the Bible, don't, don't just you know, look for things that you should do. Don't just, look, don't just read through it. No, try and see Jesus. Like the woman, she is, she is seeking until she finds him. Uh, look for Jesus and his love and his grace and, and, and pray. And, you know, and that will help you through the day. And, and don't just stop when you close your Bible. You know, sing a song on the way to work. Uh, don't take your phone out all the time to check your email. You know, um, daydream. Think about what it's going to be like to be with him. Think about his love. You know, make that yeah, a reality in your life. And, and, and then, yeah, that, that is the true relationship we were made for. And that will help us with everything else in life. That's, I think, what, what we should learn. Yes, marriage is great, you know, but it's not the ultimate thing. So let, let's pray that, that we would do that. Uh, let's pray that, we, of course, we follow God's pattern, but the true pattern, uh, our relationship with Jesus. Why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, thank you for your amazing love for us, how you've moved heaven and earth to be with us, uh, to invite us, uh, your grace in that, because we are such unworthy sinners. We pray that we would just be alive with your love, uh, that we would see your beauty and and love you, and that that would help us with all the things you ask of us. Think of this area of marriage and intimacy. We want to do things your way, but we need your help, and we need to love you so much that we want to do that, that we can do that. So please work in us. Please yeah, show us yourself. Show us your love and grace, your beauty, and that we would love you in return. In Jesus' name. Amen.